Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I have some good news for you. The hottest take. It's back. Oh, yeah. Monday through Thursday, four times a week, you hear from me, Chris Ryan, Sean Fantasy, Mallory Rubin, Wazdeen Lambrey, Van Lathan, Julie Lippman, many other ringer staffers. You get one take, you got to defend it to the death. Sports takes, pop culture takes, food takes, airplane takes. Oh, yeah. It's coming back. First episode drops August 29th. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Listeners, welcome. This is Sound Only. I'm Justin Chair. And I'm Micah Peters. We're your Sound Only co-hosts, here to record our deepest, darkest thoughts about the millennial lifestyle, millennial concerns, millennial anxieties, and the football. Football. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. No, you do it. Go with the accent. The this is near and dear to your heart. <laughs> Yo, listen. I, listen. We are here to talk about Ryan Reynolds. We're here to talk about Rob McElhenney. We're here to talk about the oldest international stadium in all of the United Kingdom. We are here to talk about a small upstart team that shouldn't have slipped so far from from the FA, from the association. They should be in this non-league situation. We're talking about Rex of FC. We're talking about where streaming ends and where real life begins. <laughs> That's real. Dog, you did a whole Real Housewives intro for this shit. You uh, feel me, though? I, like, it's, 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 it's real, though. It's, it's a real thing. It's, um... Long-time listeners, Welcome to Raxum. Longtime listeners might be wondering, how did Micah Peters get this black man, Justin Charity, to finally talk about soccer? But listen, man, this show, <laughs> like Micah, Micah, tell him you sold me on it. You, you know, you came to me. Yeah, you, I like, you, listen. I, like, I came, I came to you as a woman, and I texted you, and I said, Justin, I know that we have had our differences, but if I was ever going to ask you to watch the sports doc. It would be this one because it's less about the sport itself. I'm not trying to get you to like soccer. That ship has sailed. You know, I'm not really, that's not what it's about. But it functions so well as like, like this sort of 
portraiture around how does somebody fall in love with something as stupid as a sport? And also, how does the globalization of a sport affect a small town? Those are the two things that the store that the that the show is like most chiefly concerned with. <clears throat> you know, like right after making real sure that Rob and Ryan look and you know seem like good guys. <laughs> yeah, and okay. So on that point, though, right before we get into this, right, like Micah is the soccer partisan, right, of this. I am the sports agnostic. Uh, with some exceptions like boxing, but like I'm sports agnostic, right? And yet, to me, in addition to what Micah just said, I would say a big draw for me on this show up front actually was what? Well, one, it's that I have a lot of goodwill for It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, but let's set that aside for a second. It's really mm-hmm. that like Rob McElhinney, Ryan Reynolds, frankly, you're watching these two white boys with like non toxic, benign, interest just growing out you know what i mean like this is just the bro there's just the bro dynamic that they successfully forged despite the fact that they haven't even met when they start out on this journey together yeah like, I mean, like it was literally rob being like hey this team is for sale is kind of yeah. where the show starts and him being like i need somebody with more than syndicated TV money. Yes. I need. Yes. <laughs> I need more than FX money. I need, yeah, I need more I than need FX money. money. I need. I need more than you know. I need own brand of liquor money. I need owns a like you know stake owner and a cell phone company money. I need Marvel money, and so you know him and ryan reynolds went quote unquote halfsies on their investment in this team like so a lot of it a lot of the first couple of episodes is sort of like ryan reynolds being like you know amiably dragged along into you know this thing that you know like i i have nothing to do with all of my resources and charm and and know-how and like I have idle time and I need something that is my own because I am in this house with, you know, my wife and kids and I need something new. Like, you know, like that's kind of where the show, like it, that's where the the interest starts from. Well, isn't it um, especially because like they started during the beginning of the pandemic too, right? Like, I'm not, yes. I can't, yeah, that's yeah, big it part is of it, like of it why is a big of part of like, yeah. Um, and I mean... Like it's and it's the story of them just kind of getting sucked into like the nonsensical like thing that dispenses joy and misery at random and costs all this money and like is wrapped up in all this bureaucracy and everybody just accepts it as the thing that is and like the show kind of like tries to unravel why with these two people that still have to Google the rules every time they go to a game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wait, but on that, okay. So on that note, can you, Micah, set the table for explaining this team and the community? You know, I actually really can because my brother, like, well, kind of spent a stint in England, like playing for like a number of these teams. Okay. Like, um, Wait, older brother or younger brother? I, older brother. Older, older brother. brother. Yeah. This is like, so, like, there's these, 
there are different, like there's like uh, several tiers of soccer in England. Uh, the first, the Premier League, which you recognize as the thing that they have NBC fan Super Sundays and everybody has a jersey and knows at least three or four of the names on your team. And then there's beneath that, there's the championship, which is like basically the same thing as like the D League and the NBA. Like, uh, like imagine that if in if at the end of a really bad season, um, the Yankees could get relegated to Triple A baseball. Like right. that's basically the sense. That's that's what's going on. So there's the first tier, the second tier, the third tier, fourth tier, fifth tier, and then there's just non-league, which is the bottom of the pyramid, and it's just the wild west. Like I mean, like there's, it is. To put this into perspective, the Premier League goes from August and it's usually wrapped up by May. After that, in June, is the championship playoffs. The best like four teams, I believe it is, like have like a round robin tournament in the championship, and it's like whoever ends up with the most points at the end of that, and you have to win those games. Like, I mean, like you could yeah. potentially get into the championship playoff. And you could be one of those four teams that doesn't make it into the in, into the Premier League next season because you dropped points like at the very end of the season. Like there's um, this podcast that like I like called the Football Ramble, and they've been doing this series about the the Football Ramble's Guide to X Y Z, and one of them is like goal celebrations. And they were talking about this guy named Jimmy Glass, who you know took all the name Jimmy Carlisle. And it's like 89th minute of the last game of the season for Carlisle United. Um, they're tied one all. Um, and basically only a win will secure their like staying up in the league that they're in. I believe it's the championship. It might have been tier two. I'm not sure. But it's like these scenes get created over and over again in European football because of the system. So... One one all, 89th minute. He comes up. He's the goalkeeper. Signed on loan from Swindon Town like in January. You can only sign players in August or in January. That's a whole other thing that the show also unravels. Um, but back to Jimmy Carlisle. Comes up on a corner, meaning he's leaving his own goal completely defenseless, and like turns into fucking Barishnikov at like the like just inside the penalty area and hits a half volley snakes it into the near post and wheels away in celebration and the team piles on him. Everybody comes out of the stands. The ref starts trying to like calm everybody down and like he's blowing his whistle and then like you can see the like, uh, like a fan jumps on him and hugs him and he disappears into this mass of bodies and there's like, there's just such like, you really get into the game for moments like that, like because that's a possibility, even if you never live to see it in your lifetime. And that's like a thing that I think that Welcome to Wrexham communicates really well just through walking around like the town and talking to people, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, but you're right though that that. Okay, so there's this distance, right, in the beginning of the show where they, I guess it's like the fact that Rob and Ryan, like even when Rob 
Mac, I'll just call it Mac, right? Because I'm just thinking of it's always something. <laughs> but it's like, whenever Mac is talking about it in the beginning, he actually sort of his entry point for explaining his interest in the team is talking about the Eagles, right? Is him talking about the Philadelphia Eagles and like growing up. And actually, in one of one of the like the later episodes, he goes to see uh, the owner of the Eagles and Coach Sirianni. Like he goes to like to be like to to just get some guidance on what he should do as an owner in this really tough period where he needs to either back his coach or you know get rid of the coach because that's the only thing that could get us from third to first. Like, it's just this yeah. sort of dark night of the soul. And he goes to talk to the Eagle, the owners, the, the owners of the Eagles about it. Like, it's just, it's kind of ridiculous in that way. But, you know. Yeah, but it's like, that's his sort of big reference point in the beginning when he's first getting into this whole endeavor. And it, like, the what you're describing in terms of that, the goal celebration, it's like, you can tell he is kind of from all the way across the pond, like set his sight on this town. And to me, it's just like, I've never heard of this town in Wales before. I've never heard of this team. Right. Um, and yeah, it almost like snowballs. Like I just, I think the most in the beginning, sort of that, that the first really effective moment of the series is the zoom call, frankly. And again, it's like, this is toward the beginning of the pandemic. So it's like, when they're first figuring out how to even do shit, like Zoom with a like bunch of straight, a, a town chair. hall. Like we need somebody in the chair, actually, yeah. overseas. <laughs> they yeah. Finding yes. that person. Um, right. And the guy's like whipping votes and he's like, this is how many people are eligible to vote for whether they're going to sort of like approve you coming in as this Canadian and American actors and doing all this shit. And what is it? He gets the question during the during the big town hall that they're doing. He says, like, somebody asked, like, uh, yo, I heard you guys are turning this into a documentary, too. Because they yeah. see, like, documentary equipment in the background <laughs> of, of Max, like, Zoom call. And he's like, hell yeah, right? Like, he, he's leaning into the <laughs> idea that this could either be, like, this really heartwarming story, you know, or, it or, go, it's, or a it's a Zapruder <laughs> film about, yeah, like, the way that ownership works in football. Yeah, yeah. Yep. so it's like... And really, as a person, like, like, I don't know, like, it's like, even like, as a person that like is a, like, a real, like, I'm like a like a for real soccer fan, and like, I like all of the like the dark interest intricacies of boardroom conspiracies and blah 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 blah. Like, <laughs> seeing this as a a thing where they are trying really hard to be to do it the right way and to be like these this beacon of light in the community as well as like you know running a business in like one of the most cutthroat like leagues in like the world is kind of like interesting right because like it's you they they want to do the right thing and they keep getting all this counsel but at the very like at the very end like the the cold light of it is that you have to make a decision and that de yeah. that decision affects like all the people that we've met in this documentary so far right like, and can i ask you a question though because you're the person who understands these dynamics better right it's like for me i came to it naively and i watched that their again their whole zoom pitch to the community about 
uh, buying the club. And I'm like, oh, wow, that was heartwarming. And, you know, they presented... It's like they doctored this, too, because it's in a documentary that they made, it's obviously. It's from their... Yeah, I mean, like, it's from their... Like, it's... You know, I'm glad was that you it brought that up. I'm, I'm wondering if you, like... I'm thinking of it as, like, I thought that was effective. But does that sort of... I don't know. Did it sound like bullshit to you? Like, you know, like, it's like, it's like what we were texting about, right? Cause you text, you text, you said that you're, that your wife, that your wife was enjoying the show and yeah. that she said aloud at some point, you know, like, that's not very Ted Lasso. And I was just, just keep, like, <laughs> cause I keep seeing every, every like five minutes, somebody's like, oh, fuck off. Right. Yeah. But I, like, but the thing is, is that like, there's also, I think it is very Ted Lasso, absent like the colorful language, because it's like, um, because the entire show is sort of like about building goodwill, like, yeah, and yeah. like you're really waiting, me, like waiting for, like some sort of heel turn, and I say that because mm -hmm. this, like, there's this sort of, uh, like, there's this very this very English and very like unique fear of like, you know, Americans abroad ruining the Englishness of the game. Like I'm thinking about like, a, cause like, you know, like, all right, like soccer fan in that right before I got on here, I was watching like an ESPN FC, like 10 minute breakout of like their boring ass show where they talk, where, where they're not even showing clips, they're just sitting around in the in the in the in there talking, like mm -hmm. just to have something on the background while I'm cleaning. Craig Burley uh, is like this this the Scottish football like you know commentator guy that used to play for Chelsea. Like there's one like one of the images that will pop up if you Google Craig Burley is like him sort of mugging in the camera, wearing like a yellow Chelsea shirt, missing three of his front teeth, like you know. English bastion of like you know the the hards English soccer player, but he's Scottish, like so that's why he sounds like that. But anyway, he's talking about Todd Bowley, who is um, who recently completed the Chelsea takeover after Roman Abramovich was just like, yo, I'm like I. Yeah, I was a Russian oligarch. No, I didn't funnel any money through the club. I would like a billion dollar tax write-off, please, though. <laughs> like, and everybody was like, that's wild. Somebody else needs to buy this club. <laughs> something, something, something. Todd Bowley is now sitting, you know, in rooms full of investors and Fleece Fest talking about how he's going to have this multi-club league, th basically reintroducing the idea of a super league, which kind of like, was the logical endpoint of like the game getting further and further away from the fans as it like continues to become like a global business that prints its own money. So like, how can we change it to make more money and to make it more exciting? It's like, so like a lot of owners now sound like, uh, you know, that cat from the Monstars who was talking about what he was going <laughs> to do to Michael Jordan after they lost the game, he was just yeah. like, you know, you'll be in Moron Mountain and you'll be signing autographs 365 days a year. And, you know, like you'll be having to play one-on-one -on -one pickup games with kids, but you'll always lose. Like basically, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Like, this is like what Todd Bowley sounds like. Like, so he comes in, gets rid of like Thomas Tuchel, who's like the manager that won them, you know, their like their greatest honor in the last half decade, you know, um, which is the Champions League. Because he like, I mean, he wanted somebody that responded to his WhatsApps faster. Because like he's basically like a person that's just like, I play football manager. I understand this about the game. I want this player because I saw that he's rated 87 on FIFA is like, it seems to be that's the way the decisions mm. are being made. And so like, there's a, like, there's very, there's a lot of like overseas owners within like the top, like 1% of clubs, like the big six clubs that you hear talk about, which is, you know, growing due to TV money. Like, there will be like there's a lot of overseas ownership and overseas ownership could go a couple of different ways. Like it could either be like it is at my club, Manchester United, which, you know, like it's literally, I don't want to hear about it unless it's losing money. (laughs) Uh, And there is like, you know, the Manchester city, like the, the, um, like the 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 Saudi conglomerate owners, where it's just kind of like we're gonna use our exorbitant amounts of money to buy, like to purchase the right names and put them in the right positions, and where they're just gonna trust them to do their jobs. And then there is the Todd Bowley way of doing things, which is just kind of like you know, we're gonna come in and disrupt. Like there's like a very like there's <laughs> yeah. a picture of yeah. him like walking on to like the feet like center field at Stanford bridge wearing a short sleeve Henley and aviator glasses. Like what's his face for billions. Like that's literally the only thing that I could think about. Like, and it's kind of like everything is the same way, like an air guitar solo, like, you know, what if we did this? And then there's like the Robin Ryan way of doing things, which is like hat in hands, I'm going to go to the guy who's flipping burgers down the street from the stadium and ask him what he thinks, like, you know, we should do with the club because that's who's really important. Um, And I think it's also, like, interesting that they have the people that they put in place kind of, like, pull them away from that necessarily because it's just kind of like, this is actually, you know, it's really nice that it looks like that from the outside, but in here, we actually need to, we need points and to win games and (laughs) we need you to fix the stand and like redo the surface of the field and get, uh, get a disabled person's ramp. You know, like these are all things that like have been going neglected at, at Wrexham for a number of years. So while they're having this thing where they're just kind of like, Oh, I'm falling in love with, a sport again like I could when I was a boy when I did this they're like okay that's cool that you got us a TikTok sponsor on our jersey but we need to get out of the like the National League you know yeah that's one thing I actually thought was really effective about the show it's like you see them get like the TikTok branding first right and it's not until you get a few episodes in that they do specifically the episode about the previous owner Alex Hamilton right and they kind of focus on him in this like way of like, yeah, this guy, this guy just like ended up resigning with a with a fucking napkin and like getting run out of town. And look at how all de- how dilapidated the fucking stadium got and all that stuff. It's sort of like you get all the stuff in the beginning that's romanticized. 
And that's Ryan and Matt sort of being like, oh, this is all about the love of the game, right? And again, like you're saying, not kind of like wanting to be like, we're not going to be an imposition, but we are going to, like, we're willing to do all of the hard work, yada, yada. And it's just like every episode gets deeper and deeper into the idea of like, no, managing yeah. this club, like owning this club the, fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, like the, ti- like the title episode, like of the show is the ninth episode. Like, I think that, like, it's also another a helpful way of looking at it is that a lot of Robin Ryan's segments in the in the beginning part of the show happen in a studio or elsewhere in yeah. a boardroom. Yep. Uh, and then, like, and then the separate thing is sort of, like, meanwhile, they're having these straight-to-camera interviews with, you know, players that are getting moved on or getting claimed off waivers or are, you know, getting on in years and like coming to the realization that they're never going to play in the Premier League and, you know, fans that are bricklayers or, you know, on appeal or banned or, you know, have been coming for 67 years and never seen the club win anything. Like, you know, these are all (laughs) things like that's happening separately. And then in the ninth episode, like, which is also the longest episode so far at 48 minutes. The rest of them are like 26, yeah, 25, sure. whatever. Yeah. It's like them sort of like they go around, they meet everybody, they do the, you know, lady die waving at everything and we're going to, you know, shake hands and have a beer with the volunteers. But like, I also appreciate that in that episode, there would be like these lingering moments where there would be the one fan that would really say what they meant to say, where it's just kind of like, well, and it was, and it's, it was kind of odd to me because they kind of do these stratifications of different fans, like the happy clappers, like the passionate fans and the moaners and then the hooligans, which is another thing altogether. Um, and the happy clappers are the ones that like, you know, are the ones that are described with the most disdain, you know, like they just like, Oh, we're just so happy to have a football club. And you know, <laughs> like what they clap, no matter what's going on is the way they describe. But like the ha- happy clapper, number one, I forget what her name is, but she works like at the library. Right. And like, they come back to her every now and again for like the sort of, it's just very plastic on the couch type of like bitchiness about it, you know, like, you know, oh, like it's, it's quite nice that you came in here and spent all this money, but like, you know, you'll be no different from any other owner if we don't make it out of, <laughs> if we don't make it out of the situation right. we're in, you know, like, and feels like she was the only person that just said that straight up and down. And then, like, you know, Ryan Reynolds did the Ryan Reynolds thing where he tried to get a joke off, and then there was, a, yeah. like, a slam cut after that. But I wanted to see the end of that conversation. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and 1. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. 
Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. There's there's a lot of that in the doc where it's especially whenever they're on Zoom of like man Ryan Reynolds and Mac just all, always feel like they have to diffuse situations like that with that kind of humor and when they're talking to like a corporate person it works because the all the people who are sort of working for them have to do the like ha, 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 ha. you know what I mean but you're right it's like the tension yeah, between but it, like it's just like people deadpan at that because they're just kind of like cool you have a movie but like and i love that like at the very end of that episode like they pan over like because they keep going back to like these small locales like in the city itself like the pub the bakery like the, the yeah. discount video store and like they came back to the vi- discount video store twice the first one like shows like uh the sh- the stuff that's like all over you know the town which is like vague mashups of Deadpool and Rex of you know FC iconography mm-hmm. like the club badge like on on a Deadpool thing or him holding up the heart sign with the Rex of United thing in it and there's like a I think a cardboard cutout like standing up in the storefront or whatever but then the, at the end, the store manager, like while this, like everybody is saying the same thing, like, well, you know, there's a lot of excitement, you know, like it's been a fun weekend, but also we got two draws against two teams we were supposed to beat and we're seventh in the league after a run of games that we really should have been winning. We should be sitting prettier than that, which is what the voiceover is about. And like while they're doing it, like Deadpool's in the discount bin for like three ninety nine. <laughs> but yeah i mean like there's a lot of there's a lot of you know self-flagellation in in that regard uh in this show um and in a way that like i'm kind of like waiting to see like how like it's waffling and i'm kind of like waiting to see where it evens out because another experience that i had like this with like uh like a similar kind of sports doc where it's just sort of it's almost like it's like just shy of trauma porn which is like Sunderland till I die uh which just kind of like has them sliding through like out of the Premier League down from the championship into league one possibly down to league two like and it's just like everything goes wrong like and they also do the thing where they have fans doing the narration and telling you about what the club means to them and telling you how the losses hurt them. But 
this documentary, like Sunderland is a much bigger club than Wrexham is. Yeah. Um, and in the course of shooting the doc, like the, the, the first season of the documentary, I think it was like the club chairman, the manager and the owner all changed. So it was just like, there was no hands on the wheel and like the fan, like the fan supporter group was like, who was producing the documentary. Usually ownership would like stop you at some point or tell you like what, like what access you can and can't have or what you can and can't put out the doc. There's like some, you know, like there's some level of control. The and just like, yeah. There's like, there's no, like, it doesn't feel like that's happening at all. Like <laughs> when you're watching Sunderland till I die, like, you know, you see like at the end of the, like at the end of the documentary, like when they get relegated, like the coach is walking out to his car at the car park and like, he's getting like confronted by fans and the cameras are there. Like, it's like, this is... Like, and I thought that, like, that was, you know, that was, like, the bar <laughs> for, like, a sports documentary for me. I was like, I don't want it unless, like, people can get screamed on. And, like, this feels Ted Lasso in that, like, I'm really waiting to see, like, when it boils over. Because it's not exactly, like, things are going smoothly. Yeah, and it's funny because there's a, in one of the earlier episodes, um, it's part of their pitch, frankly, right? When they're when they're trying to buy the team, Ryan Reynolds says something like, he's gesturing at a lot of the stuff you're talking about, right? About like the perils of ownership of a team, especially like with a bunch of guys, you know, coming with an international pitch. And he says something like, well, you know, we're not going to be some like, like people know where we live, right? Like we obviously have brand equity because like Ryan Reynolds, like, movie star doesn't want to be seen as a dirtbag like they're they're sort of like soft peddling the idea that like oh this obviously like there will be trials and tribulations but like we're not gonna cut and run like we're good money because like we care about our you know our personal professional brands right um but at the same time like that that sort of setup is juxtaposed with uh like in the in the most recent in the eleventh the most recent episode, Sack the Gaffer, where they're just talking about which I mean like is kind of again just sort of a naked portraiture of like where pressure is applied when like results are not coming in, like within yeah. like a, in a within a soccer organization. And it usually falls on the manager. So like them kind of like it's like but him saying like people know where we live and we can't just disappear right. and is juxtaposed with them reading mean tweets on a daybed in like Los Angeles next to each other. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, there's, it's like you want, like, it's as a, like, I, I think like, as just like a fan, like of, of any like soccer team that has an owner that doesn't make decisions that you understand. Like, I think I want to believe that like, this is what happens. Like when things like, you know, like when you drop points against, you know, like on, on uh, like a back-to-back away stretch against, you know, a team that you really should be beating by like several goals. Like, I would like to imagine that these are the conversations that people that own the club. I know that that's not what happens, but like, you know, they really try to sell you on that. Like, you know, we're really like rankling over these decisions and like, it's really hurting us that like, 
things aren't working out too. You know, like we're just as pissed as you guys. And I mean, you know, that's also, that's just exec speak, you know, <laughs> like yeah, it's really yeah. just, it's really just exec speak. And it's like, you are, it's floating on the merit of like how kind and trustworthy and believable are these faces? Like, and that ninth episode really throws it into sharp relief because like they have to be there in town talking to people. Like there's no spin. Like they can't really have a lot of it except for the editing. Right. Totally. Totally. It's like, yeah, right. I think that is the, cause you were telling me that you, even though I was like really impressed by the first couple of apps, you were talking to me about how like your take on it is like, it just gets better over time. And I think if I like, you know, the episodes get better as you keep watching it. And if I had to articulate why they do, it really does feel like in the beginning, you're watching something that's pitched in this kind of all shucks way as a passion project. And the deeper you get into this, the more it's like, oh, this is a business. And this is also like a political entity, right? And like business and politics are harder to do than what they were doing on like, that Zoom call. It's like, it's... it's you know, like it's business politics are hard to do, but also it's just kind of like you're watching the show after a certain point, like to 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 really see if it's aware of what it thinks it's aware of. Like it's like there's there's also kind of like that element to it because it's also like happening in real time. You know, like Wrexham FC is still playing. You know, like there's um like they're still kind of like in the news for. Uh, hooliganism, which is like one of one of the uh, like acts of hooliganism, is what one of the more recent episodes covers. Um, like you can't just like it's like it's very much like it starts out being I remember the like you know I was here when the Philly special happened, and now I touch the statue outside every every home game to. The club that we own, like the top, like when we were there doing our, you know, smile and wave thing, like jumped off with some of the most, like, you know, like the most violence that there's been at a home game in however many years. And now we need to think about policing, like in addition to because this influx of supporters means that we kind of need to rethink how we do things, which is, um, I mean, like a whole other, like, large overarching problem in the football world at large like right now what with uh liverpool fans being kept out of the champions league final that and you know like you know had flashbacks to hillbur the hillsborough uh um the the hillsborough incident like there's also recently in uh in indonesia there was like a large scale riot that was mishandled by the police and like it's really kind of like flipped back onto like fan violence being senseless but it's also like these are all questions that you didn't really think that you were going to have to deal with when you bought a club but now they're here and like they're present and important and you can't really run away from them which i think is also like the interesting part of this documentary um, but yeah, man, like I'm having a much better time than I thought I was going to have when I first was hearing ads for the show on the Guardian Football Weekly and 
you know, hearing somebody saying, like reading the the ad all lazily off talking about like, you know, Rob and Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds bought a football club in in Wales. That's soccer for most Americans. Like, and that's and it's like, ugh. <laughs> you know, the, the football <laughs> yeah. soccer, the football soccerness of it is really like gets under my skin and like in the first couple of episodes, but like once they get off of that and like, um, I think, yeah. uh, what I was calling a preening sense of deference starts to like kind of fade back a little bit where they're just kind of like telling a story without having to, you know, really needle at their involvement in it. It works. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I also think too. I I guess I I don't really care that much about Ryan Reynolds. I like I said I do like Mac, um, and like I think immediately before recording, I was texting you about this. It's sort of that sort of trepidation one might feel when they first hear about this show, right? But when they first hear about the concept, like I think frankly, this show could easily this whole thing could just easily not work if the two dudes or the two people doing this were different. You know what I mean? Like, if you took, like, a- it wouldn't work with, like, Affleck. If, like, Affleck and Leo oh, bought. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> You know what like, I, mean? I mean? There's something about the nature of their dynamic. It's also, like, you know, yeah, I mean, like, well, it wouldn't work with, <laughs> like, Affleck and DiCaprio or whomever, because, like, I mean, part of their like appeal as a cultural curiosity at, at this point is there being dirtbags like it's like there's not really like so it's like there's that's not what like like Rob and Ryan Reynolds like throughout their career have had this sort of you know please god like me about them like going on <laughs> yeah like, so it works, you mm-hmm. know? Like, yeah, I do agree that it wouldn't work as well without, like, you know, <laughs> people that need to be down as badly as these two <laughs> need to be down. Yeah, it, it, you know what? It, it wouldn't even work with, like, the Chris's, any number of the Chris's. It wouldn't oh work with any God. of the Chris's. It I think work with, with any Affleck, of the Chris's. Even though, a, it, even though Affleck does the thing where it's like, no, trust me, he's just, like, a sports bro who drinks a lot of Dunkin'. Like, I don't know. It's there's still too much of the hint of like everyone knows that that like elite out of touch side of Ben Affleck as much as they know the sort of sports bro side of Ben Affleck. And yeah, it's just like with Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds is obviously way more f- famous than Rob McElhenney, but like they both reserve the air of kind of like well-meaning airheaded bros with none of the connotations of like none of the realistic connotations of their success, right? Maybe Reynolds yeah. sometimes seems like the more aloof one. Cause like, God, they got Rob McElhinney on the phone for half this show, just standing on random like sets and street corners, like having just, hour-long phone yeah. conversations. <laughs> <laughs> Again, just trying to sing his but way. Ryan in. is just in his crib, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Ryan Reynolds is just in, in the Ryan's crib. Ryan's just there to be tall and like, you know, just, <laughs> just to <laughs> and just to smirk, you know, like there's yeah, it's it's yeah. very like you know, as I said, it feels like he's getting pulled along. Yeah. Uh, but like, 
again. Like I'm I'm just really waiting to see like like where does this story end up? You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. It's also okay, the other thing we might end on this, right? But like the other thing I I was gonna ask you about, right, is they do a lot of in the beginning of the series expectation setting, right? Because again, they're trying right. to manage a sense of like, we are benevolent, we come in peace, we understand this is real work. But to me, it's like, okay, but I don't know. I don't know the difference between like Mac and Ryan, Mac and Deadpool buy your football team, right? Your football club. Like, is it a thing where, oh, if you go a season and you don't get promoted, oh, like you're upset, yes. or is this a like longer term, like, okay, maybe people can rock with this for like a few years before they start getting impatient? Like, what's the it reasonable time really, horizon? Like, okay, the ownership turnover is not high, like, you know, okay. for, for like generally speaking, like, okay, for these clubs, maybe like it might be higher than for teams further up, but like turnover is not like a thing that happens often, like in the ownership position. Like, so it's more like, you know, because like, it's like the owner is the one with all the power. Like, it's not like, it's like they could just decide that this no longer is making me money. I'm going to just go ahead and, you know, get at, I'm going to throw a smoke bomb. Like that, like that, that's really like a, like a thing that happens fairly often. Like, which, you know, like the story of Alex Hamilton, which you, right. you learned about in the, in, in the docuseries. It's more like an ambient thing where if you have like big Hollywood star owners with a lot of money that come in, it changes a few things, right? Like, okay, sure. It raises the profile of the club. You have more money necess- like as a on a baseline to buy the players that you need to succeed, to put people in positions to succeed. Um, you know, blah, 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 and 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 renovate, renovate, whatever. However, there's also kind of like other clubs know that you have more money so they can charge you more for players. Um, you have, like, like I said, the influx of more supporters means that you need to spend more money renovating the stands and, you know, controlling like the way that like traffic moves on game day. Like there's also like the kind of pride element to it, where it's just kind of like, if you have new owners like this and you're spending money and you're not winning games, that's just banter. Like people can like that, like people, like there's. In that Welcome to Wrexham episode, I was waiting, you know, because we hadn't heard it yet. But like, uh, like they show up to their first game in person and they lose like this utilitarian 1-0 like home game to Torque United. And what I'm realizing is that they lose a lot to teams whose names I recognize, but like the like they they they're basically losing like uh with 15 minutes to go or something like that to this team who begins singing in the away out of the away stand you bought the wrong club you bought the wrong club Ryan Reynolds you bought the wrong club <laughs> like uh, like things like that would like will continue yeah. to snow like and it's just like frustration you know yeah. like cuz like, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you like this, like Manchester United got mollywopped 
six to three by Manchester City and like did it like and the thing is that like they lost in a fashion that was like wow we are not even playing the same sport you know like mm, with the okay. we don't we don't have the, we don't even have the same internet connection like that's like it's it's really like what it felt like when you were watching yeah um, <laughs> and the thing is that like we've spent more money than they have like over <laughs> like oh, the right, last right, right. number of however many years so that's banter like I mean like we haven't been good for however many years so that's banter last time we won a championship was this year we have big blah, blah. like it's just like there's any number of things that are going wrong for you people are gonna needle that <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah, yeah people because, get in their feelings it's like that that this sort of thing, the getting under the skin part is like such a fascinating uh element of of it like i don't when they when they first like you remember when, when like Paul Mullen comes along, right? And then they show all the the players from the team, right? It's like the eight dudes that live together in that trap house. Yeah. <laughs> and they mm-hmm. start talking about his salary. And you keep seeing the shots of him with his wife and kid living in that nice little two-story. And the, the niggas living in a trap house. Like it's the real world or something. <laughs> I mean... About- Every time he missed a goal, he should give us 50 pounds. Like, like, I mean it like every story in the world you can find in soccer. Like, it's just like there's there's any like it's just like the world is just so full. Like, so, yeah, like uh, there is like a, a certain amount of. Like, yeah, the getting under the skin of it. Like, you know, I'm really going to, like, we're going to sing in unison about something you have no control over. Yeah. <laughs> like, because, because we're up right now. Yeah. yeah. But, um, I like, I like this show a lot. I, uh, I'm a few episodes behind you, but yeah, like, what is it? It's like halfway through the full run. I think, I, I believe it is. Yeah. I think there's a, there's something like, there's 11 episodes of- out. Yeah, and it's north of 20 total, I think. Right, right. Um, and they are um, mostly pretty short. They're mostly like 25, like you said, but there's some longer ones. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it's also a sports dog. It goes along like at a pretty quick clip, too. Yeah, so. for sure. For sure. Um, you know, watch on Hulu. It's an FX thing, right? Um, yeah, I, that's all I got about it. You got anything else you want to cover? Uh, nah, man. I'm, I'm, I'm. Uh, that, that, that's, that's, that's all I got. That's all I got. That's all I got. On welcome to Rexham. Um, um, I don't know any remainders. Like I know what was it before we come into session. I saw two things. I saw Kanye and his little White Lives Matter T-shirt. Clap, <sighs> clap, seal, clap for your boy. White Lives Matter. Ha ha. We get it. It's ironic, subversive. And then I saw the fucking the poster for the Will Smith Apple TV movie, Emancipation. And I saw it because my former roommate, Freddie, texted me a photo and he said, this nigga look like stink meaner. <laughs> 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 
Yeah, I didn't even de- no, I didn't even deep that. He has a movie coming out on Apple TV called yeah, Emancipation. It's, it's a slavery type beat. Oh. Um, and he gave a speech. I knew it. <laughs> I knew. I knew it was gonna be a slavery type beat after that shit at the Oscars. I no. knew he was gonna come out with a please like me ass movie. I knew it. No, but it's it was obviously in the works for a while. And two, I I first heard about it because there's some controversy about. Oh, what does Apple do with this movie now that like Will Smith's brand is broken? I'm like, Will Smith's brand is not broken. It's Will Smith. He slapped the nigga. Like, calm down. The movie is called Emancipation. They're gonna emancipate him. Spoilers. There is no no (laughs) black man freer than Will Smith. I mean, like, come on. Like, you gotta come on. There's yeah. You know what it was? It was like a New York (laughs) Times article framing it as like a conundrum for Apple. Apple TV, should they release it? It's like, you talk about him like he's the baby. Like, get the fuck out of here. It's Will Smith. He's fine. Will Smith oh is going to release God. his movie. Oh, it's my gonna be God. Fine. We're not even going to dredge that up again, man. Y'all, <laughs> like, it's enough. <laughs> oh, they blackballed the baby. They blackballed the baby. <laughs> no, Ebro. Why you blackballed the baby? Oh, man. Oh. Boosie was the only one that showed up to his movie <laughs> for me. <laughs> they blackballed the baby. You know what it was too? The the, the baby stuff when people talk about like, wow, he, his album flopped because he got blackballed. I was like kind of like Man, chuckling until Meek, until Meek Mill tweeted about it. And then I was like, damn, this reminds me that like back in the day, Meek was so gold for like tweets that would just get dunked on for an entire day. It's like, it's sort of like conspiratorial tweets. And it's just like, oh, here oh, you go. Meek going to jump out the window for the baby. God damn it. Uh, oh, I love the culture. I love the culture. I really do. Um, we I don't know that we have elaborate thoughts on any of these things. I mean, maybe I don't. No, later we episode. don't. No, we don't. We, certainly we not White Lives Matter. Certainly, certainly not. Certainly not. And certainly not the baby. <laughs> um, Will Smith about to tell him the truth. Um, that's all we got this week. All right. Don't ask us no questions. Don't email us nothing at soundonlypod at gmail.com. Don't do it. Uh, yeah. Chainsaw Man coming out. Stay the course. A thousand points of light. I'm Justin Charity. Stay black. I'm Micah Peters. Shouts out to our producer, Stefan Anderson. We'll see y'all next week. <laughs>